Let us turn our attention now to the word of the Lord. Pastor Subash is coming to share the message that God has placed upon his heart, the burden of the Lord. Bless your people, Lord. They've come here in the midst of all to be in house, to obey your word, to worship you corporately and not forsaking the gathering of themselves. Lord, we just thank you for precious ones that have tuned our way. And we take this hour to come together collectively to give honor and praise to Abba, our Father, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, our Lord, our Savior. We're so grateful, Lord, for bringing us today and for the many grace, mercy, and your kindness to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Minister to precious people today that are here and those that are watching. You know the needs, you know the situation, you know, God, the longings of their heart, you know, God, they're standing the gap for someone. And we just release the word of healing. Release, oh God, that you would fill all in all, that your name would be glorified in Jesus' name, that you give strength and healing, grace, and Father, for your favor. Thank you so very much. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, God's people said, Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. I want us to turn to the book of Zechariah and going into this passage in uh, chapter 9. And I just want to speak uh, of something that uh, beginning in this passage in the book of Jeremiah chapter 9 and go on to uh, there into a passage basically in the next verse, chapter 9 and verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord. <clears throat> going into chapter 12, we find again in verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel said the Lord, which stretched forth the heavens and laid forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and formed the spirit of man within. <coughs> Sorry. What I want to talk about today is the burden of the Lord. Just an introduction that would help us to begin a series called The Burden of the Lord. And I would be specifically speaking much later about what it means and entrails about the burden, particularly for us in the New Testament. And what it means for us in this 21st century from looking at both the Old Testament and finding its fulfillment in the New Testament. It began with a question that we were having in the staff and then I just laid it aside and continued with the book of Zechariah. But the word, the burden of the Lord, was so strong in my heart that I've put aside the series we were doing and moved into this which is important because it not only speaks to people here, but also to the church across the world that are watching because it addresses a situation, particularly during this pandemic times and coming after, Churches across the world are going through situations. And so I'm here to encourage and to tell people how important 
their function in the body of Christ is and how important it is to, in the midst of all of taking all the precaution to be in the house of the Lord and function in the calling and in the responsibility and the duties which the Bible talks about, a burden that he places upon his people. I want to specifically say there's a big difference in the connotation of the word burden in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It begins with what would be a powerful word in Hebrew called Massah, and that's speaking of lifting up, raising up, and it's a qualitative word, and it is a very strong word. Almost you would think it's negative. But the prophets were burned within, unctioned by the Holy Spirit, and their words were, unlike the New Testament, almost direct talkings, and almost uh, really, in a sense, near-threatening to say, come back, get back to God, to say, get back to the work and the destiny that you are called to in the case of Zechariah and in the case of Malachi, chapter 1 and verse 1, same, this is the word of the Lord to you and specific people and particularly to uh, the Judah, the southern tribe, and to Israel, and then across to the nations, because he's the world, he's the God of the whole world, specifically naming nations after nations in this regard, that very close uh, tight to Israel in the neighborhood, but today in this world, talking to everybody because he's the God of the whole globe. And he's challenging them to fulfill their destiny. Nothing should stop them. Nothing should prevent them from fulfilling the word. We found when we were doing the study of Zechariah that they embarked on something. That's why 50,000 plus people came in the second expedition. And then much later, Nehemiah and Ezra came in. One is to rebuild the temple. The second batch was to rebuild the broken walls. And then the prophets like uh, uh, Haggai begins to join forces with uh, the prophet uh, Zechariah to strengthen the arms of Zerubbabel and the chief priest Joshua. And then to say what happened, because there has been a, uh, a space of 15, 16 years where because of uh, the Samaritans and others complaining to the wall, that comes to a standstill. And then the word of God telling them, it's time to start again. Don't let anything, in this case, would be a local pandemic. For us, we are having a universal pandemic. Don't let anything deter you from doing what God has called you. You came here for a reason into from Babylon to Jerusalem, fulfill this task because God is going to open the door. So in the meantime, while it was shut, it's a time of preparation. And so that's what Zechariah says. This is the word of the Lord. And uh, this is the burden of the word of the Lord. And Haggai comes a little more strong. And this is almost repeated over and over again with such prophetic utterances. And the word burden is strong. But when you come into the New Testament, you find it's a different word, and it is, has so many meanings, not necessarily the word burden, but duties and responsibilities, and yet the word, precise word burden, we will find it over and over again. It is strong to the point it burns your heart. And I'm going to tell you the difference with what 
the burden of the Lord gives you, you say, excuse me, I never heard of the burden of the Lord. Of course we know the burden of Satan. Of course we know the burden of the world that uh, basically burns and brings us down. But right out in the onset, I want you to know the difference because as we go into this passage, what I'm talking about is not about the burden that Satan puts. We know Jesus is the burden bearer. We know Jesus is his yoke is light. And we need to distinguish the difference between God's word and, uh, and uh, the burden that God gives and what the world or the self or what Satan gives to us and loads us. But when God calls his people, when God moves amongst his people, there's a big difference in the New Testament between followers and disciples. The closer you get to the Lord, the more mature you get to God, there's a sense of what he gives you a burden. And almost every ministry, every church, every program within the church have come with a burden that God places upon individuals or people collectively. There has never been a revival or a restoration that God has used people without them having that burden. You want to call it the burden that God gives? It could be called a burden to preach, a burden to prophetical, a burden that is uh, to win souls, a soul winner, a burden that's prayer, intercession. And if you're an intercessor, you know it burns within you. It just creates such a big load. And yet I want you to know it is not the one like Satan that brings you under his feet, that makes you unwholesome, that takes you from the call of God, this is implying so different that God's call brings us totally, completely to God, leaning on to God, leaning on more to prayer, more of God than any other people or organization or movement or pet doctrines, it is Jesus, our Lord. It is the burden towards God. But I want you to know that as you grow in the Lord, you must make a distinction. Because the burden of the Lord is so awesome, it's suppressed, it's a privilege, and yet it is such a responsibility. And he won't give more than you can handle, but as you grow, he knows that you can handle it because he's calling you to something greater. The burden is not without price. Sometimes we say the Christian life is joyous. True it is, and yet when that burden comes, it can be difficult. A price to pay, and yet that's not the end. The combination of both work together for good. And the burden that God gives is for our growth, is for us to be more fruitful, is for us to be more pliable, flexible, supple in his hands. That self would diminish and we bend to see Christ and not about I and me, but about him and him only. No revival, no great move, <clears throat> has ever started without God putting a burden. Burden for a city, 
burden for young, burden for seniors, burden for the people of the church, burden for backsliders, burden for anything. That's how ministries come to be. And the reason for me speaking this, not just to a local body, but across the world, churches all across the world have been torn by Satan. Many people with a clear-cut call and burden have abandoned. It's like missing in action. They have taken a hiatus from their ministry and their call. Some want to do it remotely. Take all the precaution you can. When pandemic was going on, I said, this is a time that ark is open, stay in the ark. But then God himself opens the door and says, go out, multiply. Don't stay put in the ark. There's much more to be done. Fruits, multiply. Replenish, have dominion. And they were obedient to that call. There's a lot of MIA in the spiritual world. And churches are hurting. My message is not to this body alone, to the church at large. You are needed. You are wanted. The church is not complete with you. You are called out. Be faithful to the local body. Come out, stand out, stand up, stand behind. You might say, I don't have a great ministry. My friend, God gave you a burden to be in the security. God gave you a body, uh, a urge to be in the ushering. God gave you a burden to be what would be helps ministry. They all count. The little toe is as important as the eyes, the nose, the ears. But the greatest ministry are unseen. That is deep within. If the heart stops, you're dead. And you don't see my heart. There are people that are so important and vital. In this case, people that I rely on. The trustees. You don't see them, but they are the life and soul of this church. At every beck and call, they are there. Theirs is not a choice. At a call, they come. They're there. It's not a position. It's a pain in the neck. They have to come. They have to agonize. They have to pray. They have to find a solution. The burden I place on them. I'm so grateful, though, through the pandemic, they have been there. I'm so faithful, the precious people. I remember, especially in the sound and also in the ministry of the video, I mean, Facebook, uh, I'm so grateful, particularly for uh, Sherry Wahe, because uh, we never stopped in the worst of the worst times. And I didn't mean everybody should be there. We were not allowed they said 10, and then they sued, and then there was a curfew. And I understand the government had to do what they had to do, and I'm fully with them. But we never stopped what we were doing. The message went on every Sunday and Wednesday. You know, we took another situation. We made Wednesday possible. We never aired this, but we did it. We were reaching at that point 10 million people. 
the word of cross. And we said Wednesday too because it's important. So we never ceased. A few of us came in. I would tell you, Brother Gumbin was the entire audience in this big sanctuary. They said only six people. Even if you have a funeral, only so many people. We kept the rules, but we kept everything moving. Then they've opened up, and now it's opening up more. But I'm going to say this, my friends. We're not coming blindly. We are coming. But we must take precaution. I'm not saying don't. Don't jump in blindly. Do everything, even as you go out to work, to the mall. Do all that can protect. Wash your hands, wear the mask, everything. And because we have to. Our life is valuable. But we are not stopping our life, our ministry, our work, our going to school or colleges just because pandemic came. You know, I have to appreciate the then mayor and the then governor. People would say all of things. I disagreed with many things, but I have to say when they dropped the gauntlet, people said, we'd sue you. We cannot go back to school. They said, you've got to go back to school. Believe it or not, union said no. These people said no, that people said no, but when the day opened, every mother's child was in the school. Every teacher was in the school. And what was so important is the school was still functioning in the worst of days, by remote, by video, in the technology that we in the church across the world have begun to use. And I've come to the realization the church in-house and the church online are important. But I say to those that are in the local body, I don't expect people all the way from Africa and Asia to come in here. But I do expect people who are part of this body, come back, find your place, resume your work, because the church must be back. Yeah. Ministries must be back. Prayer warriors must be back, and thank God for precious one. Deliverance must be back. Thank God for the team. I just saw them this morning praying before I came in. Thank God for the dancers. Don't you see them? Last Sunday they were, I mean, I've never seen so much like it was pre-pandemic. Every ministry, the sound ministry, and all of this are back. I'm so grateful. I'm going to say this. Whether you open the door as... Some said, rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. That is a ministry. To whether you are crying out in agonizing prayer for a revival. That is a ministry. Everything comes with a pain. Everything comes with a burden. It is costly. Yes, yeah, Christian life is joyous. But it's challenging. That's the difference between a follower and the disciple. A follower, Jesus, spoils them. You want breakfast? Here it is. You want prayer answered? Here it is. You want this? Here it is. They are handled with kid gloves. They are treated like children. And the problem with the children of Israel was they were the children of God. Never grew up to be men of God. We didn't get this, we didn't get that. We didn't. They've seen the greatest miracles. But when it comes to maturity, God takes the kid's glove. He basically upbraids them. Where is your faith? He didn't say that to the followers. 
He is forceful. What happened? Did you not understand what I had said before? Because disciples can handle pressure. They don't need kid gloves. They don't need a bottle of milk. They eat meat. And the difference between the disciples and followers, followers are still children, and God has to bend backwards for them, but they never grow. A disciple is one that will follow the Lord Jesus, and their life is ups and downs. Their life can never be measured by success and failures. Their life is measured in the yardstick of what the Holy Spirit will take them through. Through the darkness, through the challenge, through the storms. But they will ever be so close ticking to the Lord. Those are disciples for you. But I say this to everyone that have been called. To everyone that have this burden. It's not easy. Even to the person that gives himself and gives of his life, it's not easy. I value, I understand. You know, when you look at Moses, I want you to understand, let's just take uh, uh, Jeremiah for one. I mean, he's called a lamentation, a prophet, weeping prophet. It's no glorious, it's not a billionaire. Get me my own first class, my own private plane, five-star hotel, I'm going to preach in Hawaii. No, that's not that. He says in chapter 9 of verse 1 of the book of Jeremiah, Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He was a man burning for the daughters of his people. He was burning for the people of God. And unless you have a passion for God, you want to be a millionaire buying your own plane, fleecing the people, giving them tickling messages, but you do not have the heart of God. You do not have the burden of the Lord. For every ministries in this church, there's a price to pay. For everyone that does whatever they do here, there's a price to pay. I value that. But much more the Lord. Or wherever you are that are watching, you are important to the body of Christ local and the body of Christ universal. The church can never be complete by you. Whether in season or out season, go back to the trenches, go back to the waters, go back to the, the, the gap, and stand in the gap. God is calling you. Jeremiah goes on to say in chapter 20 and verse 9, in verse since 8, since I... I cried, I cried, violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Verse 9, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire. 
a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay, stop. It was burning. I had to speak. I had to do my ministry. I had to fulfill my call. I have to finish my destiny. I can't go home saying, Lord, I'm arrived. And the Lord said, who called you? You still had work to do. Why do you come right now? I call you, not you call me and come over. Don't give up your ministry. Even though it may be small, it is important. You know, I've had a headache so much that I suffered in the midst when I was with my children, they were young. I cut short and I said, my God, this is horrible. God saw me through a healing. But I tell you, I don't remember that much. I just happened to say this. But what I remember is when my toe pained. I didn't think much about that. That when the children were young, I would tell them, get the dog out of the bed. They said, how do you know there's a dog? I said, his tail is wagging. I'm so sensitive. My feet, because of chemical imbalance in terms of uh, chemicals, they, oh my God, it was uh, gout. Horrible. If a plane flies in, I could feel it way before it went over my head. The sensitivity, and then I realized what God was saying, even the tiniest ministry in your church is as important as the head of the church. It is important. No one is unimportant. You might say, I'm doing nothing. And you move away, one brick is missing. That's why the snow and the cold and the tempest have walked in. Your absence is noted. You are missing. You might say, nobody said so. The Holy Spirit said so. I have never called people. But God calls his people. They tell me the Lord put a burden in my heart. I said, how strong is it? It's burning. I said, let me pray about it. Then I call them in a time when they are not even thinking I would call. I woke somebody up in his sleep. He had told me that God is burning him to do something in terms of reaching out to people who are addicted and people who are this. He's moved to Florida. And in the middle of the night, I called him and I said, what is the burning desire of your heart? He said, to minister to people who are addicted because I've gone through that. It is burning. Some told me I want to do this, I want to do that. When I called and three months later, they said, I don't know. What did I tell you? I said, tell me what you told me. Did you know what your mission was? No. What did I tell you? I said, you should be telling me. It's something that burns within you. And I know they have been called when they tell me that is my ministry. So what I'm saying is if God calls you, you're answerable to him. He never gave you a higher test to say, okay, time out. I will come back 16 years later. My friend, the days we live are very short. We don't have much more time to go. People are dying. People need prayers. People need ministry. People need help. And the church, whether it is physical or spiritual, needs all the help. 
Every help and ministry of help is so needed like never before. And the ministry of finance is needed. We don't take handout from the government. I know big, big churches did. We don't. We depend on God and He supplies it through His people. We've never asked, oh, this is the government is giving a handout for this. We said, no, we don't want. In fact, the government had given, we returned it. We said God's people will supply because we value God and we value the ministry of God's people in prayer and in their giving. We never advertise our need. We never ask for our need. We don't live in fancy homes. We don't have aeroplanes. We're simple people. But when you look what is left behind, what my predecessor and every one of us, it's a magnificent building. It's a great ministry. It's not about ourselves. We don't hold this and say it's mine. We say it is God's. I've never said my people, my church. I said God's people, God's church. You are God's people and this is God's church. At this moment, God may be an overseer. He can just say, come home. And like Pastor James Wright was called, I would be called. But I want you to know until then, we want to be as faithful to God and we want you to be as faithful to God as God is faithful to us. Give the Lord a clap offering. Every ministry counts. Every cent counts. And I want you to understand how important it is. You know, when it comes to Moses, the burden was so strong that when you turn to the book of Numbers, and when you read this passage, it is incredible because I have to look where it is, but in one of these uh, scriptures, he cries out to God, and I believe it could be 14. He says, I'm not able to bear all these people alone because it is too heavy for me. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 14. It is too heavy for me. And if thou deal this with me, kill me, I pray, out of your hand, I have found, if I found favor in yours, it's too heavy, Lord. It's too burdensome. In fact, when you turn to Exodus chapter 18 and verse 17 onwards, and Moses, uh, father-in-law, said unto Moses, the thing that thou doest is not good. It's too heavy for you. And he said, thou will surely wear out the burden is so strong, both you and this people that is with you, for this thing is too heavy for you. Thou art not able to perform it yourself. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give you counsel, and God shall be with you. Be thou for, the, for people to God word, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God, and then teach, and let others be there for you. And what happens is, this is his father-in-law. Of course, he can't say no to his father but his father-in-law was not God. But Moses realized in a roundabout way, someone saw the problem. And he was concerned that's his daughter he's married to. He doesn't want his daughter to be a widow. But God is concerned too. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, when you go into chapter 1 and verse 12, 
In fact, in verse 9, he goes on to say, Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 9, And I spake unto you that time, saying, I'm not able to bear this, Lord, myself. The Lord your God hath multiplied you. Behold, you shall this day as stars of heaven, and the Lord of your fathers make you a thousand. Verse 12. How can I bear this, Lord, alone, all your cumbrance and your burden and your strife? Take you wise men. And he's giving the same counsel that his father-in-law did. You see, there's so much of Lord you can take. Whether you're a prayer warrior, you need those that will stand with you. It's too big. It'll burn you. If you are in soul winning, if you're in deliverance, and thank God for all these ministries, I'm so grateful for precious people that are with me. I basically handle the Word of God, and I've had a privilege for many, many years, being a pastor since 73. That's a long time. Some of you were not born at that time. But I just grounded in the Word of God. So people tend to think on a Saturday, I must be playing and doing things and, uh, because he's got all the Word. No, from Friday onwards to Saturday, right up to Sunday morning, I'm at the Word. My wife can tell you that. Hours after hours after I was meditating. Why oh, he gets word out now. So serious that I do not go out. In fact, there's a word that was said, the Cherian household comes to a dead stop. I don't go. I don't party. I don't do anything. The Word is what I do. The prayer is what I do. I meet with no one until after the word is released. So there are times people get offended when they say, you know, he didn't even seem to notice. I'm focused. When I come here to the pulpit, I have God speaking to me. I give a little handout for the staff to get ready, but by the time I get on the pulpit, words are pouring out, and I just thank God for those precious ones typing out so fast. They're the best in the world if they can keep up with me. I mean, there are some 63 scriptures I pour out sometimes, sometimes 100. I do not put my ideas. It's all the Word of God. But what I want you to understand is it would not be possible if it were not people around me. Once in a while, I take a break and give them. But you say, but the pastors, they don't do anything. They do so much. Everyone has a ministry and they can be burned. Pastor Hans stands with me every time I need him. But he is in charge of the electronic. He is in charge of contacting the various departments in the city. Whether it's law, whether it's this or the building or everything else. I don't do that, but I get a priest of everything together with the trustees. I have Brother Gumen taking care of everything to do with this building to with Angelo as well. I have Pastor Val taking the whole load of worship and every worship leader, everyone that joins with the, they are burdened to be able to stand and spotlessly clean as Levites because it's to God they are worshiping. They are not entertaining you. Like many ministries who put on glares and dance and things and put spotlight, they are here to worship. They are not to impress anyone but the Lord. They pay a price. Unless I am invited literally to a very important a wedding, but I don't attend the function, the party. 
I do a funeral, but I don't attend more than that. I break off on a Saturday just that I choose very carefully. Yesterday was an exception. I had a burden for a long, long time about business. And I'm so grateful for Sherry because she's like the armor bearer. I said, this is what I want. And she said, okay, let me call people. And so I felt in my heart to call four people. One was amazing, Alex Wright. Uh, many of you may not know, he sits there or he sits there, nobody knows him. But my God, he works with Spike Lee, he's produced his movie, his, uh, his uh, clothesline is one of the most sold out from Switzerland to Germany, and if he's not flying anywhere, but the moment I call him, it doesn't matter where, he answers my call, and I said, I need you. He said, wherever I am, Pastor, I'll be here at my church. You don't even know who he is. Because he's just one who sits here, but he was in the social media with Sister Sherry helping him out, and then he's now so full, running throughout. Gina Nevis was helping in this, on the staff, and God put in her heart to do business. And God has blessed her abundantly, and you know Gina Nevis. She's here this morning, and she was one of the speakers as well. And then I caught Colin Baker. He's basically in the electronic and so forth. And, and I said, hey, I'd like to have you. He said, call the men. Let me know which day I'll be here. And then I called my nephew, who's in Highland Church in Dubai. And he said, oh, he's traveling around the world. He's having a solution to the problems that even the United Nations recognizes, WHO recognizes. I said, in this day, I want you to fly down and come here at your cost. He was there. Yesterday was an amazing meeting. I'm so glad uh, that precious people and my staff were there and, and make that support and make this possible. It was one of the best they told me. They could not stop telling me how much they are blessed. I want to say this, my friends. The next time we do something like, like this and if there's a burden in your heart for business and to be blessed and to be a blessing and to bless the kingdom, you should not miss an event like this. It was amazing. So this is people, they have a burden. You say, but business? Yes. There's no secular and spiritual in the New Testament. They're all wrapped in ministry unto the Lord. So if you're working for Uncle Sam, actually, no, you're working for the Lord Jesus. If you're working for yourself, actually, no, you are working for the Lord. Whatever you do, it's unto the Lord. If you are being in a place limited, like Paul, a prisoner of Caesar, he never said a prisoner of Caesar, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. So I want to talk this morning, in beginning my introduction, the burden of the Lord. Like I said in the Old Testament, it has a different connotation. In the New Testament, are totally different in which it our responsibility, the burden that God places. And you know that when I'm talking about, I know there are some prayer warriors and they will say, Pastor, I've gone through that almost every day in my life. You know what I'm talking about. Or deliverance ministry, or people who have been here, pandemic or no pandemic, have been there, right there, to do what they are above and beyond their call of duty. They have been burdened, and they have that burden, and they say, I have to fulfill this. 
I want you to understand very importantly when I'm talking about this burden, I must distinguish this from the burden that is not from God. Some people say, oh my God, the burden God has given me, excuse me, that's not God's burden to you. What are you hanging on to those things? What are you carrying that stuff? Those are excess baggage. Get rid of it. Oh, I thought it is the burden, my friend. That's not the burden of God. They're self-induced burden. And some people take it so religiously that I want to say in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 2 and verse 18, uh, it's what Paul is writing about. And let me say what he says. He says, let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding in those things which you have not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, let, and not holding the head, which is, the, which is uh, the body of Christ, joins, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth, connected. This can be so self-induced. There are people who say, you know what, I've taken upon analysis my cross. No, that's not your cross. That's just induced by you, and you are laboring under it, burdened by it. It's not from God. I'm not talking about that. Then there is a thing called the, the burden of the world, that you get dragged down because the stock market fell. Everybody's burdened, but you are just burned down. The housing collapse. People are jumping from 13th floor. You want to do better, jump from the 25th floor. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not from God. That's a burden of the world. We all go through that, but that shouldn't burn you. That shouldn't be your dinner, breakfast, and lunch, and everything in between. Then there is what is called a sense in which trying to please people. In fact, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10 says, Should I please God? Or should I be pleasers of people? I should be a servant of God. Don't be burned because someone gave you such a burden that you're just burning. And you feel this is like, oh, you don't understand. He's a prophet. You don't understand. It's a mighty man of God. My friend, ask him to get that load on himself. You don't have to be burdened by things that God has not put on you. You have taken an excess burden. And then you have what would be a religiosity burden. It's so sad. In fact, the Lord had such condemnation for pharisaic type of people. Religious people. There are some churches that call people and say, Excuse me, everybody must be wearing white. Everybody must be wearing this color. Where do you get this from? Oh, from the Old Testament. That's not what this New Testament is about. And then everybody has to do this. Lock the door. Everybody has to give $120, put you under bindage. And there are people locked up in the church till they give what this man of God says so. Don't be fooled. That is a man bondage, a religious bondage. Jesus' strong condemnation. When you read the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse 46, those were strong words. And he said, woe unto you, 
You lawyers or spiritual lawyers or spiritual people who lay men with burdens to be born and you yourself touch not the burden with your own fingers. A million dollars. I'm speaking to someone, million dollars. My friend, if you sell your airplane, you can get $10 million. Why are you wasting the widow's might? I'm not telling you to give. You need to be burdened to give. But don't let someone put you on some sort of crazy religiosity thing. Jesus repeated this not just once. Many times he said, woe, 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 like no man's business. It's not to the publicans, it's not to the sinners, it's to the religious Pharisees, leaders, who put lords on people and make them do crazy stuff in the name of the Lord. We do not do that here. But listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 4. He says, if they bind, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move one of with their own fingers. I've seen people put congregation into religious bondage and say, the spirits told me to do it. They tell people, you've got to come in morning, and the man has not finished his sermon. It's 12 in the midnight, spirit of God is moving. He could move yesterday, he could move today, he could move every half an hour. Why is his spirit for 12 hours and you keep yapping, yapping, yapping away? Why do you put people in bondage? They got to go to school, they got to go to work. Oh, but he's in, in his element. But he doesn't want you to leave. That is religious bondage. I'm not talking about that religious bondage either. If you're under some religious bondage, go to the person that puts it, but get out of that bondage. Don't be comfortable under that bondage. Then there is Satan himself. Excuse me, such certain, certain give you bondage? Oh, yeah. I know a man who was doing extremely well, very much concerned in the church, and he said, the Lord is sending me X, Y, T, please. I said, for what? Or to win souls. I said, you haven't won one souls in this church. And God is sending you to Tumbaktu. There's not a fruit of your labor. Your fruit and your witness will make way before you. We will recognize that. He took all his money, went in and blew himself, came back and wouldn't come back because, hey, that's what happened. But didn't God call him? No, he called himself. Satan can do that too. And what happens, take immature people and then make them, and there's always some prophet saying, you're a bishop, tomorrow you're a pope, then tomorrow you're an emperor, and when you run out of titles, you leave the church. And look for somebody else who will make you the most mighty God. And for a sum of money, people say crazy things over the pulpit. But I want you to understand, certain, certainly Satan can give bondage. He is a master at it. And he laid such burden that you are burdened down with a hole. But I'll tell you what that burden does. For you to realize why you should know this is not God. Number one, 
you are not going to God. You are dependent on a prophet. You're dependent on some X, Y, Z. You're dependent constantly. You're burning the 1-800 prayer line. Where is your connection with God? A burden from God makes you directly go to the chamber of God. God never gives a burden without giving you his connection. You don't need X, Y, Z and everybody. They're there to help you, but then they are not a pole that you can hold on to. It's like a totem pole that will break on you. God will break it, so he, you have to depend upon him. And I want you to understand how important it is when the enemy gives you a burden, spiritual burden, he puts you on a guilt trip. You're always finding yourself guilty, guilty, guilty. I didn't do this, I didn't do that. God, Holy Spirit, never gives you a guilt trip. He convicts you of sin, but doesn't put you on a guilt trip that you can't eat, you can't feel right, you cannot go to work, you cannot look up, you feel like you are horrible. He makes you feel miserable, he makes you feel unworthy, he makes you feel worthless. The call of God makes you who is a nobody to be somebody. The call of God takes you from where you are from the earth and makes you into spiritual to heavenly. Amen. There's a big difference. Big difference. But I want you to know if you've been bowed down and cowed down and, and burned with the wrong burden, there is one who's a burden bearer. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 tells me that Jesus is the burden bearer. The anointing breaks the yoke. Micah chapter 2 verse 13, the breaker goes forth. What a wonderful passage. And he goes forth and they're broken up. The things that you have been bound with. The enemy ties you and limits you and makes you curl and down outright that you can do nothing. I mean, it takes away your call. It takes away your destiny. It brings you to so total confusion. There was a man many years ago in this church, went into some place and suddenly a woman said, you got to go to Puerto Rico. He left his job in a big bank and went all the way there. And a true prophet said, what are you doing in Puerto Rico? Go back to where God called you, back to New York. She was so strong. She had, he had not even gone to her. She's right now and said, what are you doing here? God never called you. I'm telling you this very important. You need to distinguish what it was because right there, in this, wherever, she, wherever he went, he had a divorce, a child went to drugs, all of the confusion that took place, and she spoke to him directly and said, go back to New York. I want you to realize I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a burden that knocks you, breaks you, humbles you to the point that you are nothing. Yes, the call of God makes you humble. But it builds you. 
It takes you that as a broken vessel and begins to form in you and shape in you a Christ that in you the hope of glory. The work of God, the Spirit of God works in your life that he begins to help you go to God in prayer. You begin to pray like no man's business. You begin to depend upon God like no man. That is what the burden does. In fact, to a level of prayer that you have never been to, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and verse 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also help our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. The next verse, verse 27, goes on to say, And he searcheth the heart, knoweth what is the mind of Christ, because he makes intercession. You're opening yourself to the Holy Spirit with amazing situation. And not only with prayer and understanding, but Isaiah 28, verse 11 and verse 12, says with stammering lips, with tongues that you know is not of man, before its trembling lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Verse 12 goes on to say, To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith my may cause the weary to rest. There is still a sense of restiveness in the midst of this. You still feel there's a calmness about it. You know what I'm talking about, prayer warriors. You know what I'm talking about, people who know deep things of God. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. In so much, he begins to move in your heart. And what do you depend upon? You go running to the Word. You don't go running into some paying money for all sorts of book on deliverance and demon possession. You want to hear from God first. You go to the Word. You feed the Word. You speak to God. And God speaks to you in the Word and through His Spirit. That's such an amazing situation. In fact... God also gives you how to distinguish between the flesh, the soul, the spirit, and even demons. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says the word is so important. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. That is where you get to know that is, that's the litmus test. Not just somebody saying something from, from you know what imagination. You get it from the word of God. That is the spirit of God. That is the move of God. And then there's something else you do is you begin to be obedient to God. I tell you something amazing. When you go to sleep and you are awake and you can't get sleep, either you're having insomnia, or you had a bad food last night, and it's burning you up, or simply Satan is trying to keep you from rest, for he giveth his people sweet rest, the Bible says. But having said that, you know something is sure. I didn't eat all that crazy stuff last night. I didn't watch some horror movies last night. I didn't do crazy stuff last night. But you sense the Holy Spirit. And you know that one gives you sweet rest is awaking you for an assignment and you are spiritual enough. And you are like Samuel saying, speak Lord, your servant heareth. And then comes the unction of God. 
You may be praying for someone in Russia or Ukraine. You may be praying for someone in Africa. You may be praying for someone just next door. But God begins to put a burden and it is not Satan. And until it's released, until this is released, you know that is burning in your heart. The Holy Spirit is burning in your heart. And the burden suddenly lifts. And that's not the end. He could do that next week again. Because he counts you worthy. Because he counts you, count, he considers you as a disciple and not a novice or just a follower. He's not giving parties to you. He's taken off his gloves and saying, I found a man after my own heart. I found a woman out of my, of, of my own heart, and he deals with you as a matured person, not like a silly little child. For a child, he gives you a bottle of milk. Here, drink. You're still a baby. 35 years in the Lord, still a baby. But I want you to understand, deep things of God belong to deep things. And what I'm saying is when you who are matured say, I'm taking a hiatus, nobody will know I'm missing, we miss you. When you say, I'm taking a hiatus, I don't really need to support financially or prayerfully, it is so desperately needed. You are missed there by God and His people. You say, what's the big deal? I don't do much. That much that you do is enough and more to keep the church going, to keep the local body going, to keep the army of God moving. Everything you do is important. Don't let COVID stop you in your track. Be faithful in season or out of season. In summer, in winter, spring, or autumn. Be faithful because God doesn't say, oh, it's pandemic, I have to take a holiday. Sorry, I'm busy. He's faithful to you every day. Thank God that we are where we are because of the faithfulness of God. In just a few minutes, I want to say this. I will be going into the Old Testament just to pull out something very important. The reason I say is because to build this so I could give you a better understanding of what the burden that God places in your heart. The pandemic has been at a time as God is burning in your heart, preparing you for something that you would be up and about and doing. God is shaping you. God is building you. God is moving you. And now it is a season to come out and get your feet wet. I'm not saying blindly, you're going to work, you wear your mask. You go to mall, you wear your mask. The pandemic is not Sunday at 10.30. You can still be here. You can still pray, reaching out without touching until such a time it's possible. But reach out to people, pray out, minister to people, call up people.
Do all God has called you without being so close or proximity. Keep that distance. But do what God called you to do. One type of prayer is praying by touch, but then there are prayers that God sent. The man centurion said, my servant lights say, come home. Jesus said, no need. Actually, centurion said, speak the word. My servant would be healed. Jesus spoke the word. The man was sealed. God can still use you. But how can you know there's a need until you meet someone? How could you know the need if you're holed up in your house and say, I'm on an assignment. Get out of your house. You can't do things remote. You are missed and wanting. We need to be joined together and function together. You see this building? Have you seen a gap somewhere? Because the building is built. But the body of Christ has bricks missing, windows missing, foundation missing, stones missing. How could it last? You and I are building, build with stones. That's a picture of the church. What if the pillar is missing? Oh, I'm not needed. And then the door is missing. And then you say, why is the church so cold? Someone is missing. It could be you. So no matter where I'm speaking to you, all the way in Asia, Africa, Australia, or all the way in the Middle East, be faithful to where God called you. It is time to come out and make the difference. Do your work and be what God has called you to do. In the next few minutes, the reason I'm going to go into the Old Testament is for one because out of that, we get a finer, richer view of the New Testament. For one, I would tell you, when you read Romans chapter 15, and uh, when you go, I believe, into verse 4, it says, for whatsoever written, were aforetime, so written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. You read from beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he talks about the people in the Old Testament. Under Moses, they walked through the fire, walked through this, walked through. Why? Why? Because in verse 6, he's telling you why it is important. He says, these things for, for our example to the end, then we should not last after the evil things. They also lasted. They become examples. Whenever I speak, I always use Old Testament because Jesus used those Old Testament. I could use modern day I could use funny stories, but I go to the Old Testament, it's the Word of God. It doesn't matter whether you're in Africa or in Asia, whether you are in America, whether you're North or South, it's still the same. The Word is still the Word. I like to use some present examples, I would, but I usually use from the Bible. I want you to understand the reason we need to go to the Old Testament was Jesus used Old Testament scriptures. New Testament was not written. Three-fourths of the Bible is the Old Testament. Then again, you find... It is the word of God. Luke 4, 4. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is important. Although the onus is on the New Testament, that's where we will go. Because you can't build the New Testament church in the Old Testament. All of the things in the Old Testament are formulative that finds its culmination in the New Testament. In fact... 
everything that you find in terms of doctrine have in some way an embryo form in the Old Testament. Not the fullest. You've got to go to the New Testament. Whether it's a triune God, whether it is in terms of doctrine, even things that are what you call practical, literal, are all pointers to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and points to the one who alone should bring us hope. Yahweh sent Yeshua. And whether you take the furniture in the temple, whether you take the whole temple, whether you take the priest, whether you take the sacrifice, it's a pointer to the Lord Jesus. So this is important because the principle of first mention of everything that you find in the Old Testament that comes to a complete fullness begins in the Old Testament. But then we don't put our appeal on the Old Testament because the things in the Old Testament, unless you know the New Testament, you could go amiss. Oh, pastor, when are you going to circumcise people? I'm not. Excuse me? Didn't Abraham do? Yeah, Abraham did that in the day then. So, don't we have circumcision? Yes, we do. The New Testament talks about it. Before you ask me to circumcise you, I refuse. But circumcised your heart, the Bible says. Ah, I was going to circumcise my... You know what? Thank you that you told me. It's the heart. Old Testament begins and the New Testament explains it and finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. So, next Sunday, God willing, I will begin with the burden of the word of the Lord and to what clarity and purity and to what price and privilege they held the word of God, not flippantly. Now, sometimes I refuse to watch certain programs, Christian programs, because it doesn't matter where they start, they always begin with the widow with the little oil. Then Malachi chapter 310, and then they say, if you can just mail me $300, 45 minutes, out of which the last 30 minutes you're talking about money, it doesn't matter where they go, they have to hit where certain things has to do with money. They omit the entire scripture. They point to the Old Testament for a reason, totally out of context. You and I must give and be faithful. If you have done the grace, so if the Lord tells you 10%, certainly grace tells you much more. You need to give your heart, give your life, give your substance. God can demand everything, but we must be faithful to the level He has been faithful and to the proportion of faith. Little, little faith. More, more faith. The more you give yourself means a lot more faith. But I will begin next Sunday in the Old Testament and move into New Testament, the word Massah is simply talking about the weight of the word lifting you up. Very important. By the time you come to the New Testament, it is our filial duty, our responsibility, the burden, and the greater the increase of burden, the greater the call of ministry in your life. You cannot escape that. Like Jonah, it's going to burn you. You jump into a ship, the Lord is going to get you out 
and the fish will take you spiritually until you come out. That is how important you are to God. God is saying, Nineveh is in need. I don't like Nineveh. Nineveh is in need, Jonah. Go! He's a pouting prophet. But Jonah went and preached. Why? Because God needs Jonah. You are that Jonah. You are that Noah. You are that Paul. You are that Peter. You are you in this 21st century. Thank God for the burden he puts on you. God bless you. As the choir takes its place, Father, be with your people. They have a burden. It is, they know it's from God. And they have an unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, some of them are saying, I'm retiring. You are not giving that retirement until it lifts the burden. Or until they find the person that has the Elijah spirit. Or like the Joshua that would come after them. And then the release comes. But you are moving even during this pandemic. Training. Moving by your spirit. And the burden is getting stronger. I pray this, oh God. This is not the end, but this is the beginning of something greater. A great revival comes because of your faithfulness. Healing comes because of your faithfulness. A church is functioning even through the storm because of your faithfulness. Hold on. Stand steady and be the hand of God, the eyes of God, the body of Jesus Christ in this world, in this city. Amen.